Welcome, we're your hosts Alicia and Whitney on Coming Coming Up Higher, where we're creating space through conversations, special guests, and inspiration for you to come up higher in the things of Christ in everyday life. Hey, Come Up Crew, welcome to another episode of Coming Up Higher. And this episode is so powerful. I'm just going to come out and say it. Like (laughs) Whitney and I just looked at each other many times and just thought, man, this man is preaching. But we have Mondo De La Vega on the Coming Up Higher podcast today, and he just shares his testimony. He he entitles it From Gangs to Grace, and the little stories that have come out in this conversation and just the nuggets of revelation and inspiration of, of who God is and, and the love of the Father, it's just, it truly is life-changing, and we hope you guys enjoy it. A little bit about Mondo. He's executive vice president of the television production and co-host of The Jim Baker Show and his own television program, The Mondo Show. Also, his creative contributions as director and producer nationally in nationally syndicated television shows that, that you may have seen. And so let's go into this conversation and be inspired today by Mondo de la Vega. Well, welcome, welcome everybody to Coming Up Higher. This is Alicia, and I'm joined by my beautiful sister Whitney, and we are excited today to have uh, Mondo De La yes. Vega. Did I say that right? You said it right. Good. <laughs> yes. We were just talking about like messing up names and and feeling nervous in front of new guests on the show. Mondo, you're no you're no uh, stranger to that because you host the Mondo Show and you're co-host on the Jim Baker show, but welcome to coming up higher. We're so excited to get into this conversation with you. Listen, I am humbled and honored that you, the two of you would want me on your podcast and and ask me to be a part of what the two of you are doing. And, you know, by the way, congratulations for being the dope (laughs) <laughs> dope women and radio yeah that is awesome i've thank never you. been called dope <laughs> yeah right yeah thank you to the spin awards for recognizing us for that we're excited to go to that in october and and to be recognized as dope women in radio yeah <laughs> i know well listen the two of you are dope uh <laughs> i'm not miss america i didn't bring my tiara with me I, it's just me my glasses and bunch of stuff behind me (laughs) but i just want to say i'm honored i'm honored that the two of you have me on your program you get the two of you are doing an amazing job of what you do and continue to do it we need more voices like the two of you to talk about what's happening in the culture talk about stories i always say this and you can tell me to shut up anytime you want you're good go for it but i always tell people this the most powerful key or the most powerful tool you have may not be the resources or the, the platform or the followers or, or the likes. It's your story. Your mm-hmm. story is what makes the difference in any, in any circumstance, in any situation, no matter what the inner circle may be, you carry your story. And it's the power of your testimony Amen. of your story that God uses to open doors to change people's lives so don't discredit your story (laughs) yes well that's what the word says is that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony Mm -hmm. and so that's why it's just so important we can't 
yeah, we can't ever discount what God has done in our lives because we've being podcast hosts and things like we've met a variety of people who are like, Oh, I, you know, I don't really have much of a story to like people that are like stealing jets and in gangs and things like that, like and everywhere in between, <laughs> but literally like God has used every testimony mm-hmm. to speak to someone and to reach out to someone. There hasn't been one that's gone by that we, that hasn't affected someone in some way. And so everyone, we just need to, to, like you said, just be, be willing to share our story, no matter if we think it's significant or not, because it is significant Yeah. because we're God's children and he has a, a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And, and he helps us overcome so that we can help others overcome. Yes. So. Yes. You know, I always tell people this, I, I tell people this, that because most people think, oh, you have to have a great story to share and to be invited and somewhere to speak or to do interviews. And I said, no, it's the value that you put on your story Mm -hmm. that matters. Because when you recognize it, then others will recognize it. But how you put in place the value of what you've gone through is how others are going to value your story and, and what you've gone through. And listen, we have all gone through something. We all can connect in the middle, somewhere in the middle, we will always connect and we will always have that one thing that we hit a breaking point in our lives or yeah. we hit success. And But listen, we, we are just like everybody else. The only difference is when you find value in what you've gone through, you realize, oh, I got something I have to share on how I, you can get through this crisis in your life. And when you recognize that, you give yourself the value to do that. So I want, if you're listening to me and you feel like you have no story, I want you to understand that you have been made not as a carbon copy of someone or something. You are created unique. You are an original. Therefore your story, no one else has lived it. No one else has gone through it. You are an original of what God created you to be. The only thing is that we share similar things that connects us together. But more than that, you are so valuable to our culture right now. Therefore, don't discount yourself. Yes. You are needed. Your story is needed. Yes, that's yeah. so good. And I, I know our listeners are encouraged by that because sometimes we can we can kind of put ourselves down or, or, or have a comparison mentality of like, mm-hmm. well, they've done this or they've done that, but the Lord has given us all a measure uh, into uh, whether that is from our testimony or what we've overcome or our, our giftings and our abilities. And it's what we do with that, what value we place on that if we want to invest in them. And so I think that's so good and such a powerful key. But I, I, most people know you probably from where you are now and, and being a, a um, talk show host on the Mondo show and on the Jim Baker show and things. But I want to go back to, to the beginning and you have labeled your story uh, from gangs to grace. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that journey in the beginning of, of growing up and, and getting involved in that gang lifestyle? Wow. That that's a deep question. As a matter of fact, you know, I was just interviewing uh, Tyler Merritt, a few moments ago. That's why I'm on the set. Otherwise, I would have done this in my office or or whatnot. But I'm on the set of what it's an unbelievable reality to me. It's a testimony. I guess it's part of my testimony 
what you're seeing. It's not ego tripping. It's not none of that. It's a testimony to remind you that when God has a plan and a purpose for your life, he will take you out of what the culture meant for evil. Mm. God means it for good. Yeah. And one of the things is that our culture where we grew up, and I was talking to Tyler Merritt, the author of Take I Take My Coffee Black, we were talking about, isn't it amazing that we made it this far out of the lifestyle and the culture that was designed to have us killed by the time we were 18 years old yeah. or yeah. by the time we hit 25? We were designed to spend the rest of our lives in prison because the environment that we were being raised in and the environment that I come from was an environment that most American kids in the inner city have experienced or are going through at this very second. And that is uh, a place that comes from a broken home. Yeah. And I grew up in a broken home. My mom was divorced from my dad. My father uh, was from Central America. I was born and raised the first, first few years in Central America. My father was very successful agricultural man, involved in politics, involved in community, but their marriage didn't work. And therefore my mother was born in Los Angeles, California. So she brought us back to where she was from. But in 24 hours, my life changed. My sister's uh, life and I changed in 24 hours. We went, we went from having a family to all of a sudden in 24 hours, the family unit was destroyed. Hmm. And I found myself in a culture and the environment that I did not understand. As a matter of fact, I didn't even speak the same language. I come from Spanish speaking language. The culture is mm -hmm. different in Central America. And when we landed in East LA, California, they, I didn't understand even the English language. As a matter of fact, I learned how to speak English watching Dumbo. <laughs> you know what I mean, my cousin Aww. kept playing that thing over and over and over wow. and over and over again. But the way I got introduced to the gangs was I got jumped on my first bike ride around the neighborhood by an opposite gang that was going through the gang. I didn't even know where I was. I didn't even know there was such things as gangs. Mm. Uh, I didn't understand how the culture was uh, developing where I was. And within hours, I understood after I got jumped, beat up, and almost left for dead, uh, I realized I'm not in Central America anymore. Wow. And several guys from the neighborhood that I was already in, living in, came and helped me out and asked me if I wanted my bike back. Well, I didn't realize that that question came with a price. Mm. And that taught me later in life that most people will ask you questions that comes with a price. Wow. I tell people, be careful who you let ask questions because it comes with a price. Mm. And I tell you something, it came with a price that changed my the trajectory of my growing up as a teenager in East LA, California. And I had no choice but to agree on the answer. And I said, I need my bike back. He said, well, we can get your bike back if, right? And that if became the identity of what later became known as a gang member in East LA. I wow. got jumped into the gang. 
And within hours, I had to prove myself to see if I was going to have the heart to live out the instructions that the gang was expecting us uh, to do. And again, I'm trying to cut this story short because yeah. I don't want to bore people to death. But all I'm trying to tell people is whoever gets to your crisis first is what it's who's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. I was going through a crisis by the time I was eight years old. And the first person that arrived to my crisis is what influenced me the most. I believe that if someone else would have walked in to help me out, I think the outcome would have been differently. I think the influence would have been differently. And I also believe that when you have a crisis, be careful who is around you because they will influence you into a decision that you're not going to have any rights to. And that's what happened to me is that I had no decision making. I had no right other than I agreed to their help. And my life changed within hours. I was already identified as a gang member. Mm-hmm. I realized that my life all of a sudden was in the hands of the culture, of the city, of the neighborhood that was designed to use me, abuse me, dispose of me, and mm-hmm. do whatever they wanted with me without even realizing what was taking place. Wow. Wow. I'll let you, I'll let you yeah, ask blink. some questions. <laughs> well, no, it's just, it's, we're blown away because of just how quickly it happened. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of people don't think of, of that aspect, especially if you didn't grow up in inner city or, or around that lifestyle and things is like, you don't realize that just like that, um, in a blink of an eye, things can change for you. Yeah. And I even think sometimes, as Christians, we can kind of turn up our noses or have attitudes about like, oh, they're they're in a gang. They chose that lifestyle. But really, when you talk to a lot of people that have been in that lifestyle, like it really wasn't a choice mm-hmm. or it was, you know, kind of thrust like you, you know, you were only eight years old. Like that wasn't a choice for you. That was something that because of your situation, because of your environment and because of of the the family, the brokenness in your family, like you were thrust into that situation. And I think as, as Christians, we have to, to have that compassion to just, to look past like the, the packaging on the outside to look past maybe even some of like the prejudices and things that the the church has been known for in the past and see that like even gang members are, are real hurting people who have stories and we can't overlook that just because of, of outer packaging. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something that is so powerful that you said that we need to really focus on is that we tend to believe that when people find themselves in a crisis, that they chose to be a part of that. There was no power of choice. There was no decision making at that moment. When you're eight years old, the power of your influence is this much. It's Mm -hmm. zero. You have none. It doesn't exist. I immediately went from living life to the fullest in 24 hours to surviving. Mm. And all of a sudden, all you do is you take on survival mode. The way you think is survival mode. The way you walk is survival mode. Your relationships become survival mode. All of a sudden, your emotions are based on survival mode. Then you wonder, how come my relationships don't last long? Mm. How come I get fired all the time? How come people always point out the bad in me? How come? 
it, it begins to make sense after a while that when you live in survival mode, you begin to make decisions that don't make sense to other people. Right. The inner city doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Gang members don't make sense to people because all you need in the gangs is enough love to make it through the next hour, through the next event, through the next day. Perhaps if you if you even are lucky to make it through the next day, all you need is just enough. And that's how a lot of people are living their life today. They live in just enough. Just enough to make it through my marriage, just enough to make it through pastoring Sunday morning, just enough to make it through a podcast, just enough to make it through. Mm -hmm. But just enough doesn't make any sense to most because they don't understand your story. Mm -hmm. But when you begin to look back at the times that God was involved throughout the journey of what developed me as a gang member, I was not your normal gang member. Most gang members in the streets become addicted to drugs. They become addicted to the the what the what the neighborhood expects you to get addicted to. Therefore, they can dispose of you immediately and you become useless to them, mm-hmm. right? They use you, abuse you, and dispose of you like you're nothing and you're not worth much by that time. I was not your normal gang member because I was not addicted to drugs. We used to move a lot of dope around. You know, that's what you do is how you make your money and, you know, uh, guns. And and you try to find different ways to uh, leverage on how to make a living in the streets. But I started watching what drugs started doing to a lot of my homeboys and my homegirls. And I didn't like the effect that it was having in their physical body. Mm -hmm. And I'd be honest with you. I was waiting for my dad. My dad meant the world to me. And when the marriage between my mom and dad, you know, failed, there was an empty hole in my heart as a little boy. My dad was my hero. And when my dad wasn't there anymore, something else had to fill that need and that fill that void. And that was the gangs. And But when I began to see everything that was happening, I will always remember, I want to see my dad one last time. I need to stay alert. I need to stay, you know, the the word woke in this generation is new to them. It lived in my neighborhood for a long time. Stay woke. That means stay alert around you because things can change. So Mm -hmm. you want to stay woke and alert to the change and adjust with the change. So I needed to stay woke in case my father showed up because I had a few words to talk yeah. to him about, you know, yeah. <laughs> but when I say that was not your normal gang member, I started seeing what my homeboys above me were doing in order to gain respect. I wanted the same power. I wanted the same respect. I wanted people to know my name. I wanted people to understand that I was alive. And I began to do things differently than what normal gang members in the streets were doing. And I was, I was asking questions. I was asking questions on how do you become so-and-so? How can I drive so-and-so? Why don't we own, we say that we own the streets, but we don't own the streets. A Jewish guy owns that building that we're in. How come we don't own that? The guy, the Indian guy owns the 7-Eleven. How come we don't own that? The bakery, how come we, 
I started asking questions because if I was going to live and die for my neighborhood, we better own it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't going to die in vain. And I had a model as I was picked to, you know, recruit young men and women to the gang. And I was building my own clique. Uh, a clique is just means a group of people that will represent the neighborhood that you're in for the gang, right? And I don't want to say the name of the gang because I don't want to glorify them. I don't want to give them any credit for anything. Uh, but it was it's one of the most powerful gangs in the world today. And I'm sad to say that I, I became part of the growth of that gang nationwide and worldwide today. But I remember one thing that changed me was my model was this. We live to die and die to live for our neighborhood, the name mm -hmm. of the gang. What that did, girls, is, or ladies, I'm sorry for calling you girls, <laughs> ladies, is this. When you give someone purpose, they're willing to live and die for that purpose. Mm, yeah. And when you give someone the, re the, the purpose to live and die for, they will do anything for you. They will give their life for you which life is the greatest gift you can give someone, right? right? And when you give purpose to a young man and a, and a young girl that is hurting in the inner city, in the inner circles that we're in, and you give them a reason to live and die for, like I said, they're willing to do everything for you and for the gang. The other motto I had was because I can. Why are you driving that, that car? Because I can. You see, the culture will try to label you, put you in a box. But what God does, he gets you out of that box and allows you to identify with freedom because this culture has a way to box you in, to not allow you to experience the freedom that Christ gave us through his death. Yeah. And I wasn't aware of that growing up in the gang. So therefore, I became a different gang member. I became a, a more active with buying real estate and, and, and exchanging real estate and, and giving our own people a purpose to live and die for, wow. not realizing that that was the emptiness I was looking for because I was wanting someone to approve of me and I was needing someone to say, I'm proud of you. I mm -hmm. never got in the gang, I'm proud of you. No one ever said, oh, good looking now, homie, or I'm proud of you, homie. No one ever did. All I was doing is I was looking for my daddy's approval, but I didn't find it in, in, the, in the inner city. I didn't find it in dealing with drugs. I didn't find the approval. And I, I began to ask the question, is that it? Mm -hmm. Making all, all this money? Money wasn't the problem. We had enough money. Cars were not the problem. The going in and out of jail wasn't the problem. The influence, the parties. The problem was there was a big void but the problem with that is I couldn't tell people that I was feeling that emptiness because if people knew the real me, would they still consider me their leader? Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and if people knew the real you, the question is, would they consider you their best friend? Will they still consider you their pastor? Will they still consider you this great Christian? If people knew the real you, would they still consider you that great mom or dad? I mean, you can answer that question for yourself as you're listening to this. But the whole thing for me was there's got to be more. Mm -hmm. There's got to be more to life. But I couldn't find the answers because 
the culture, the environment that, that I was in wasn't providing that for me. So all I had to look forward to is death or life in prison. Wow. And I, as you're sharing your story, it's so funny how God works because in, in a lot of these interviews or when you hear people's testimonies before BC, before Christ, before they were saved, they're, we're still operating in the giftings that God had given them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you were talking about how can we change the community, like, how can, how can I work and and provide income for, for, uh, you know, my gang, my, my crew and all this stuff, how can we generate like sustainable living and just Mm -hmm. all these things that you, you were doing. I just, where, where Jesus, where we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, you were, you were called to be an an ambassador, but you Mm -hmm. were, you didn't realize that at the time, mm-hmm. but it was those giftings that God placed in you at a young age and, 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 and the giftings are without repentance. So you're still using right. them. You're still doing them while you're unsaved. Yeah. And so while you were sharing that story, that's just the thing that that came to my mind mm-hmm. is like, God was still God's, God's giftings were still alive in you, but so often they can become out of balance and they can be used for the things that, that the world that we want the world to offer or that, that will satisfy the flesh. But, but I, I, I always find that interesting when we listen to people's stories about how, how the gifts of God have been in them all along, but they just needed to be honed in and, and, and sanctified really to be used for his glory. And that's what you're doing now. You're an ambassador for Christ and you're, yeah. and you're making ways and sharing other people's stories and, listen, and helping we, culture. You're absolutely right. Because I want to tell people listening, we are all, all of us, we are born with gifts. Mm-hmm. Everyone is born with a gift. Some of you don't even recognize the gift that you have. You may be in the wrong career right now doing the wrong thing that you're not called to do. What do I mean by this? Some of you are so good at baking chicken. Maybe you ought to bake chicken for a living. That's your mm-hmm. gift. Some of you fry chicken better than anybody else. Some of you make pies that are so incredible in, in, the, in every time someone eats your pie that it's always wow man you should create pie maybe that's your gift listen we are all born with the gift the difference maker is how you tap into how you activate those because god's pattern throughout my whole life has never changed Mm -hmm. it's just where it was used and how it was activated to do what i'm supposed to be doing for his kingdom but his patterns don't change just because I was born into an environment that didn't mean I didn't have purpose. Right. It's just that I wasn't exposed to uh, at that purpose. I wasn't exposed to it right away. But I want to tell people this because it is so important. You understand that in God's timing, it makes sense. The journey that you have gone through throughout your life. You can't sit there and cry about the past. You can't put the past back together. You can't put Humpty Dumpty back together. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. And what happened to Humpty? You can't put that story back. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you have to grab those pieces that you have left, you've been left with, and God will make it make sense for you. God will use your testimony. God will use your test as your testimony. Someone mm-hmm. said I, years ago, I, I heard someone said, God will use your mess and, and turn it into your message. Mm-hmm. That's why I always believe 
that the mess you're coming out of is the message God is getting ready to propel you to move forward to influence the people around you. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I don't want to talk about the past that much, but I want to talk about what, what changed my life. Mm-hmm. How did my child, because my story is so complicated, but that's not important. What's important is you listening right now, because you hold the key to the purpose and the destiny of someone's life and is activated by the words that need to come out of your mouth. You see, some of you that are listening to me, you want to go and change the world and go to Africa and be a great missionary, but you can't even influence your own neighborhood. Mm. You want to go and be a great missionary and and be a great podcaster, but you can't even influence five people in your inner circle. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to start putting your words into action because you never know who you speak to will be the launching path of their destiny and their purpose that they were born to do and called to do by God. My sister walked into my life and at that time gave me three of the most powerful phrases, statements, or words that changed my life forever. She said, what if God is real? What if prayer works? And what if you have a different destiny? Wow. Everyone was, ladies, I want to tell you something. Everyone was scared to come and talk to me about God. No one was willing to take the step and get out of their own inner circle because they were worried about their reputation. They were worried about what others were going to think. They were worried about so many things. But when you stop worrying about your identity, what others are thinking about you, and you step into what God calls you to do, God will give you the strength to walk into someone's life and speak life or death into existence. And I want to tell you something. When my sister walked into my world, she didn't give me a sermon. She didn't, you know, feel sorry for me. She didn't know. She said three statements. What if God is real? What if prayer works? What if, it, what if destiny, what if you have a different destiny? And then she walked away. Hmm. Well, that let me thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm a thinking man. I'm a processing man. And that let me thinking. And I said, wait a minute, you can't just leave and not explain this to me because if God is real, then I need to talk to him. And if he talks through prayer, I got a few things. I got some things we need to talk about with this guy because, uh, I got him inside of my heart and I need to let him know what I feel. Mm-hmm. And if I have a different destiny, then I need to know what my destiny needs to be. Because if I'm in the wrong place, then I need to change where I'm going right now and change my environment, change the way yes. I talk, change the way I carry myself, change the way I don't care. Listen, I want to tell you, if you're listening right now, right now, you got to make a decision in your life that you may have to say goodbye to the friends that are holding you back. Mm. it's not going to be easy. You may have to leave the environment that you're in right now. You may have, God is going to ask you to leave the very core of what you think makes your destiny happen because you may be in the wrong place for God's timing. You may have favor, but the environment may not be favorable to you. And that's what I was facing. God had put favor in my life, but the environment around me wasn't favorable towards me. Mm -hmm. And when God began to 
propelled me out of there and has given me a launching pad, he still gave me the free choice to believe if he was real, to believe if prayer did work. And if I did have a different destiny, I wanted to find out. And if those three things were real, I wanted to know because I needed more to life than my own surroundings that were drowning me because I felt like I was the smartest person in the group. Mm-hmm. And listen, I don't want to be the smartest person in the group. If that's it, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? I hear ya. Well, I love that because I was literally going to ask you, like, what was that re-identification moment for you? Because as you've been telling your story, kind of like Alicia said, I was thinking, you know, he's been operating in his gifting, but it just hasn't been in the right identity. Mm-hmm. Right. Because because you didn't have that father in the home, you didn't have that family unit that God designs for us to get our identity from where, you know, he, he gives us a, a father and a mother to help instill that identity of, of who he's created us to be. And when that's broken, uh, you know, so is our identity if we're if we and we start drawing it from different sources. And and unfortunately, yours was the, the first person that came to you in that crisis. And so you began drawing your identity from that, but you were willing to live and die for that cause. Well, that's what we're called to do with Christ, mm-hmm. right? We're called to, to live and, and even die for the cause if that's what it, it cost us because that's what Christ did for us. And so it, like Alicia said, it was never a matter of, of you not operating your gifting, but it was a matter of you were just misidentified. Mm. And then your sister came in. Go, sis. I yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> and she came and just like, hey, listen, it's, Dope women. Yeah, that's right. Us dope women. It's what we do. (laughs) She came in and just asked three questions that that completely changed your identity for life. And you know what it is? She believed what she read. That's good. And most people, most Christians today don't believe what they read. Therefore, they compromise the gospel. They compromise it to the culture. They try to tailor their 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 belief. Oh, we got accepted by, and I believe it. The Bible says we got to love the the, the 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 gospel is for whosoever will. Yeah, but don't compromise. Mm-hmm. Listen, in the gangs, there was no compromising in the gangs. You compromise, you die. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? There's no halfway crooks in the streets. Either you're in all the way, or you're not in at all. And I love one of the scriptures that changed my life was this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. Others, you can compromise your scripture. You can compromise the gospel. You can go to church, but really not believe. That's not me. I'd rather not go to church, but I won't compromise the gospel. And I believe in the church. I believe that the church is the key to survival in the times that we're in right now. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, the Bible says. But if you're using the church as a scapegoat to tailor made your own lifestyle so it can fit to the culture, you're doing it wrong. Because then you, when, when, when the world is asking you, do you really believe? Listen, you see, the world doesn't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the Christ in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's a difference of just saying Jesus and saying Jesus Christ. There's a problem and the culture doesn't accept the Christ in Jesus. And I want to tell you something. 
the world doesn't accept the Christ in you because the Christ in you is what changes religion, is what changes us from any other religion out there, is what changes from the culture. And right now, we are living in a time, probably in history, where the line is being drawn once again, whether you truly believe the whole gospel or you don't. That doesn't mean you're legalistic. No, that means that when my sister asked me, what if prayer works? What if, if I would have believed halfway, I would have been dead. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact because, and I'll give you this little story. I really don't share it, but I'll, I'll share it to your listeners because I, wanna, I want you listeners to understand that when you give your whole life to the streets, you, you're willing to live and die for it. But when you give your life to Christ, it's the same compassion and passion you have. You're willing to live and die for the gospel. Mm. I know the gospel is real and it had to be real for me. Maybe it doesn't have to be real for you, but maybe because you've never been in a circumstance of life and death. But when you have a shotgun on your head, when you have a shotgun in your chest, when you have a shotgun pointing in your back, asking you if what you just did on a Saturday night is real, then prove it to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. That yeah. Saturday night when I walked in, when walked into a church and my sister said, I want you to come in church. With, I want you to come to church with me. I told her, you, you, hey, you crazy? <laughs> I said, are you crazy? You, you, you know who I am? And I didn't think, oh, Mr. All that. No, if people knew that I was in church, man, listen, I walked in with my bandana on, my lopes on, my white t-shirt, Nike Cortez, my black dickies, and two nine millimeters in my, right here in my waist. Oh, wow. And if anybody recognized me, I was going to pop them because no one can find out I was at church. We used to think that church was for weak people. Mm. Church was where people hid from reality. We used to think church was a place where people would go in and just didn't want to live life to the fullest. But I didn't understand that when I walked in that Saturday night, the guy that was preaching a sermon was one of my ex-enemies. Wow. Was my nemesis. <laughs> and he recognized me from the stage and he said this, there's a young man here that needs to know who Christ is. I'm not going to share my story. I'm going to share a story of Jesus because this young man needs to know who he is. And he began to share about this Jesus that I never heard and a, a Jesus that gave his life for me without even knowing me. I mean, all these wow. thoughts as he was speaking, they began to rattle my, my thoughts in my brain. And for the first time in my life, since my father walked away, a tear came down. Mm -hmm. Something broke. There was an old song. I'm not a singer. You, you ladies are singers. But there was a song that was playing as he was wrapping up his message. And that's when I began to cry. A tear came down. It was not an orchestra song. It was not this amazing <laughs> musical act that was taking place. It was just three people singing a cappella. Hmm. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Mm -hmm. It was in Spanish, though. 
En la cruz, en la cruz, yo primero vi la luz. I don't know why it touched me. I don't know why it got to me. But when you, when the world says lock them up and throw the key away, when no one understands you, when no one identifies with you, when no one understands what you're going through in your heart, when no one understands and sees the real you, when no one understands that an hour ago, I was about to commit suicide. Wow. If no, listen, that's why I tell people, if people knew the real you, would they still consider you their best friend? Mm. I heard a story years ago that Jim Baker shared after he went through what he went through. He said he was, when, when the media came after him and, and the reporting came after him and everybody wanted a piece of him in the 80s, and he was walking and, and the media took the most horrific shot as he was being pulled from the courtroom and he was having a nervous breakdown. He was screaming a silent scream and he said, I don't think anyone was hearing. Mm. And I think that's a lot of us. And for me, that was that night. I was screaming a silent scream that no one can hear. But that night, as that, we call them coritos, <laughs> little choruses, at the cross, at the cross, that broke that silence. Mm. On Sunday morning, I had a shotgun in my, in my head, pointed at my head, a shotgun in my chest, and a shotgun in my back, and my homeboys questioning, questioning me if what I did that's the night before was real. Because if it was real, are you willing to die for it? Because you have too much. You know too much in the streets. Wow. Can we trust you to walk away? The first time, I never been fearful. I never was afraid of death. I was never afraid to die in the streets. I wasn't afraid for someone to drive by shooting or I was willing to give my life. As a matter of fact, I was doing stupid things just so I can take my own life. But God had a different purpose. Yeah. And as I had those weapons pointed at me, I couldn't deny the power of peace and love I mm. felt for the very first time in my life. And I told my homeboys, I cannot deny the peace and the love I felt last night. And mm. I said, I'm willing to go and die for it. Wow. Wow. I'm willing to give everything up for that peace. I said, money can't buy it. Listen, ladies, I, when I walked away from the gangs, I walked away penniless, broke, no, I left everything. I didn't want them to own me because if I would have taken just a watch, they would have owned me. If I would have taken a pair of socks, they would have owned me. If I would have taken a piece of paper, they would have owned me. Mm. I never had a job. I never took a job. It's not like I could go get a job somewhere and start my life over. It didn't work like that for me. I had no education behind me. I didn't graduate junior high. I didn't graduate high school. I didn't have no education behind me. All I knew is how to survive. But I told God, I will give you my life if you give me an opportunity to serve you. Mm. And I've been serving God for 23 years. No, I'm about 25 years now. 25 years I've been serving God. Never missed a meal. Mm. Never missed anything. I, I, it's like I have everything. Yeah. And I told God, I give you my life. 
And that's why I tell you, there's a lot of people in the church today, they don't believe what they read because they never been tested. Mm. They never really been tested in their faith. They never had a, I'm not saying you have to have a shotgun. No, but listen, when you've been tested, are you willing to really believe what you read? Are you willing to believe or you go to church on Sunday and go, you know, go to youth night and have pizza party with your group and, and you live in the safety zone, man, if that's you, you, I hope you change your life because if you want to change the world, you got to change it with people around you first. You got to be willing to take the risk. It's called faith. We walk by faith, not by mm -hmm. sight, the Bible said, but if you're wanting to I'm, I'm watching Christians right now, a lot of great friends that are great leaders, national leaders, famous leaders in the church, compromising the gospel, and I don't even recognize them anymore. Wow. Oh, I better be quiet. This is no, your show. I'm sorry. I was, I'm going to start calling you Preacher Man. Yeah. Preacher Man Mondo over here. Exactly. I, tell, I tell you what, there's been just times I'm like, okay, y'all, let's have the altar call now. Seriously. Like, Wherever I'll, you're at, listening yeah. to this podcast, you just make an altar. Cause yeah. Listen, you know what my problem is? Is that I fell in love with Christ. Hmm. And I've never been in love. I didn't know what love was. I walked away from girls because they wanted love. I'm like, what's love? Mm -hmm. What's love got that to do, do with it? Yeah, I was like, what's it. love? <laughs> and I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to have kids. My homeboys, they were getting married. They were having kids. I said, I don't want that. I don't even know what love is. Mm -hmm. I, I can't give you love. I, I, just, I fell in love with Christ and I never knew what that meant until I experienced it. I, I fell in love with the gang. And I fell in love with Christ. Mm -hmm. And the most real thing that impacted me the most was Christ. Because it changed my life. It changed. Listen, it's been a 25-year process. I, I don't want you to, your listeners to think that it happened overnight. It's taken me 25 years to undo all the craziness, mm -hmm. to rewire the brain. But I knew that if God had a purpose for me, I knew where I, was, I wanted to do with it. And I, my problem is I fell in love with Christ and I believed him completely. And I traveled the whole world sharing my story. I've traveled the world. When I say the world, I mean from, from every nation in Africa, Central America, South America, North America, oh, Mexico, the United States, Scandinavia, Europe, Asia. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been honored and privileged but what changed my life, can I just say this? And you can tell me to be quiet, but I believe someone is listening right now. I found myself in Scandinavia, ladies, after a tour. And this is so real to me because I'm sorry for getting emotional, but it, is still, it seems like if it was yesterday. I found myself in Scandinavia getting ready to sign a big contract. And God said, I need to talk to you. You know how you feel God, the Holy Spirit nudging, mm -hmm. nutting you. And I told the people in the meeting, I said, excuse me. I said, I, I got to excuse myself. I said, I need to go take care of something. I'll give you my answer in the morning. Uh, I'm not going to give you my answer right now. And the Holy Spirit's nudging me and said, I need to speak to you. I'm going to give you a message. 
and I'm getting excited and I'm thinking, man, God is about to give me a message that gonna, is going to change my net, my the, the generations to come and I'm going to write books about it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And man, I'm, I'm going to be a world shaker, a history maker. And oh, and I'm getting excited <laughs> as I'm walking to my room, to the beautiful hotel room that these people had given me during the tour is that I'm getting closer to my room, the excitement. God is about to give me a word that is going to change a generation and then books are going to come out of it and TV shows are going to come out of it. Influence is going to come out of it. And then, listen, if God speaks to you, he speaks to you and backs it up through his word. Yeah. He took me to Matthew chapter 7. I didn't know Matthew chapter 7. I was still, you know, I was still young in the faith. Let me sum it up. You can go read it for yourself. Here I am, traveling all over the world, talking about God, speaking about God, praying to people about God, introducing people to God, and and doing all these things to God. And this scripture tells me, I never knew you. Depart from me. Mm, Wow. What do you mean? But, But God knows every hair in our head. This is contradiction. The Bible is contradiction. How can you? I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. You're you're using me. You're using my name, casting demons on my name. I don't know you. Depart from me. Wow. It shook me to my core. And I'm not exaggerating, by the way. This is what really happened. I figured out in a few minutes The word new in the Greek is the same word that was used when the angel visited Mary. Mm-hmm. When she said, I never knew a man. Yeah. It's the same Greek word Gnosko used in chapter 7 of Matthew when he said, I never knew you. What does that mean? What did that mean for me? He said, I never had an intimate relationship yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. Get away from me. You don't know me. How can you talk mm. about me if you, don't, if you don't have intimacy with me? Mm, so true. I repented. And I cried. My second born again, I guess. <laughs> mm. And I repented. I said, God, I am so sorry. Here I am traveling all over the world. Here I am. I mean, doing everything, living the Christian dream, leaving, living the, the evangelist dream, leaving the 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 motivational speaking dream, earning a lot of money, traveling, praying for people, laying hands on people, you know, doing all the what the Christian thing to do, but I didn't have an intimate relationship with him. Mm. I canceled 10 years worth of speaking engagements in 24 hours. Wow. And God said, I want you to go home and get to know me. If you trust me right now, I will use you later in your life. But if you want this now, it's only going to last for a little bit, but it's going to dwindle away. But if you trust me now, I will use you later in your life. I thought it was going to be maybe a few weeks. It took almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in the set that God promised me 20 years ago. Wow. I'm sitting on the set fulfilling my destiny and my calling. God said, you can reach a few hundred right now in, in person, or I can use you later in your life to reach millions for me. Yeah, yeah. 
and use your voice, use your story. And here I am, I'm proof that if you really believe what you read, it will come to pass. God's destiny and purpose for your life will manifest because the whole point of this, of the Bible is when he utters his words, it has to manifest. Mm. And when it manifests, he puts value to it. And I'm sitting in my own studio, co-hosting on the Jim Baker Show, hosting my own program, interviewing cultural people that are changing our communities. And here I am, a kid that the world said, lock him up, throw the key away, no education behind me, just fell in love with Christ and believed Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Plans to see you succeed, not fail. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, this is my story. It's just simple. I fell in love with Christ and believed every word. Yes. Yep. And that's evident. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we thank you so much for sharing and coming on today. And I know, I mean, there were just many, there were a couple of times I got goosebumps and just, Mm -hmm. you could just feel Holy Spirit. And just, I know our listeners are going to be impacted by this. And um, we want to let them know how they can follow, they can see your show or follow you on social media. Um, Where can they watch uh, the Mondo show? Absolutely. Listen, it, it airs it's syndicated nationally through the PTL network, but you can just go to my Facebook. You can go to Instagram, you know, Twitter, Twitter. You can use any of the social handles, the Mondo show. Um, if you, you know, if you want to know more about it, just, you know, get on there, check me out, see what happens. You're just going to see a miracle. If you don't believe in miracles, just go to my social media page or you're listening to a miracle right now. Yeah. You know, I told you guys, I didn't believe in marriage. I didn't believe in kids and all that. Well, God brought a woman into my life and, and God, you know, she changed me because she, she, again, there's something about questions with me in my life that have always influenced me. My wife, I've never had a young lady in my life ever tell me, do you honor me? Wow. If you don't honor me, then you need to get away from me. Wow. And I want to, I want you all, listen, that's why I love dope women. Yeah. My wife is a dope <laughs> woman. And because she had to understand that she was not going to allow a man to dictate how we fell in love. She mm-hmm. knew her principles with God. She knew she had principles that if a man was going to be with her, they were going to honor her. Mm-hmm. I did things backwards. Even though as a Christian, I did things backwards. We, I, we bought a house together. We started living together until one morning she said, you know what? I can't play house with you no more. Mm-hmm. Either you honor me by marrying me and you honor God, but I got to choose God before you. I'm packing my stuff up. When you get ready to grow up and get married, you call me. But right now I'm not going to disobey God. Wow. She packed up her stuff. She honored God. And that woke me up and said, you know what? This is a woman with value. Today we're married. We're about, I think we're 12 12 years married. And we have twins, a boy and a girl, Mila and Mateo. And God knew I needed them in my life because they changed me. But when you go to my social media, you watch the program, just know that I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Right. I was supposed to be dead according to the streets. I was supposed mm-hmm. to be in prison according to my culture and my surroundings. 
So go to my social media. You know, if you want to watch Pass the Word, just know that I'm just like you. I just happen to believe in the promises of this book and stayed long. I stayed long, long enough to see the fruit uh, come to pass. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So powerful. So, so, so powerful. I love all these nuggets. I know. I was going to say a lot of tweetable moments on this episode <laughs> today. <laughs> But thank you again so much, Mondo, for taking time out of your day to come on the show yes. and just share share that word or the multiple words yes, that you gave today so that I know I'll be thinking about mm-hmm. <laughs> for the rest so of the, the week for sure. But um, yeah, we just so appreciate you. And, and listeners, thank you for tuning in to another week of Coming Up Higher. And we look forward uh, to another great episode next week. God bless. So you may have heard us mention the fam club in past episodes or on social media. We'd like to let you know more about what it is and how you can be a part. The fam club is a monthly subscription partnership that gives you access to our exclusive content, a monthly newsletter, discounted merch, and being the first to know about new music and what's happening with our ministry. Our monthly fam club support is what makes this podcast and other aspects of our ministry possible. You can join today by logging on to AliciaAndWhitney.com and by clicking the Fam Club tab.